Nehemiah, what an interesting cat. He is the cupbearer to the king. This guy has a job that is the cushiest gig on the planet. Pour a little wine in a goblet. Swirl it. Good. Fill it up again. Take it to the king. This is what most of us call vacation. <laughs> this is his gig. But God breaks his heart and says, I want you to go rebuild the walls. And he's like, man, I don't know about that. I'm a cupbearer. Rebuilding walls is not my deal, God. But he starts praying, and he starts in the right direction. He says, God, I'm so sorry. Me and, your, me and my family, we haven't followed you. But it, they go on. And, they, and it's very, very cool. They start building this wall. And uh, what happens is, in Nehemiah's life, I think is what happens to many of us, but we, we often stop before we get to action. So there's this feeling in Nehemiah's heart that, God, I think you want me to go do something about that injustice. And that feeling, when, when Nehemiah starts actually praying about the feeling, the feeling goes from this thing that's like I'm touching my pulse, now to goes this overwhelming conviction. You know, there's a big difference in a conviction and a feeling. You know, my feeling can, can, can kind of go with the winds, but my convictions are those things that are rock steady, right? And so Nehemiah goes from I've got a feeling I ought to do something to a conviction that I, not only should I do something, I'm going to go do something because it's moved in my heart. So I asked you last week, would you pray every day? What, what is it that the Lord might place on your heart that you ought to do? And it was so funny, I, I had three people between 9, 30, and 11 that came to me and said, either, uh, either listening to that and studying and hearing about Nehemiah, it led me to, I've already adopted a child, to another family that's thinking, but I need to be a foster parent to another, child, to another family who said, we're really praying that we ought to be a part of a solution for a child in our family with a great need. And I thought to myself, oh, my stars, this is, what, this is the real honest goodness stuff we get called to. I mean, for them, that's their wall. So <clears throat> in, with every intent to guilt any of you that didn't do this, uh, for those of you that did pray this week about what the Lord might have broken your heart with or given you your heart, did, how many of you say, Man, yeah, I think I'm clear on what my heart is broken for? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Wow, you outnumbered uh, 11, the 930 crowd by about three of you which means there were about three of you and everybody else at 9.30 said, oh, I forgot. But then the cool thing happened. We asked you, so we made the plan easy. Go out there and pick up uh, Operation Christmas Child boxes. And we told you we were looking to do about, four, about 1,200, uh, but y'all took like 1,400 boxes. How cool is that, right? Yeah, go ahead. If you, okay, stop it. If you're going to clap, clap, right? Y'all really annoy me when you start out. Like, That's better. All right, now watch this. Now you have to fill them and bring them back. No clap on that one? Yeah, thank you. Very good. That's the one dude in the whole room that's already brought them back. Yeah. So uh, you've got between now and the very last deadline of October 10th, okay? Uh, and so please get those filled out. And I'm going to remind you on this one that uh, I know some of y'all are going to send me a note that's going to tell me that uh, I don't believe in the gospel and that I'm all about just the social gospel, because I, I got a few of these last year where they were saying, but I, I wanted to slip a little New Testament in, or I wanted to slip some Jesus stuff in, but I'm telling you, don't do it, all right? Don't do it. We have asked Operation Christmas Child if they would be so kind 
to let our church, believing our church could handle this, that our boxes are going to closed countries that don't allow Bibles into their space. Okay, so we believe that y'all were the kind of folks that could do this. And so when you feel tempted to do it, let me assure you, that little boy, little girl, they're going to hear about Jesus. I guarantee it, all right? Because we're not going to grow weary in doing good work. So stay at it, all right? So do this thing. By the way, I thought this was really cool. I found out from Susan this morning that uh, we are now packing right at 300 book packs a week now with food every Friday. Is that not amazing? I mean, that blows my mind. Uh, did you know that, I think Kim Phillips is in this service. Kim, are you, there you are. Uh, you're doing like, you're serving like 350 or 60 families a week now. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, think about all those people. Uh, and then Wednesday night, let me tell you something I thought was super cool. Wednesday night, uh, our police officer who tries to help people get in and off the property just looked at Trip and said, I got nothing. And he was like, what's the problem? He said, man, we just got too many people. I mean, they had like 400 kids and workers here on Wednesday night. And so we got like 15 or 16 messages from parents that said, okay, we, I know we got to work on getting people out of here, but my kid wanted to come to church on Wednesday night. And I'm thinking, come on, that is really stinking awesome. I mean, 400 kids on a Wednesday night? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, good night. I just, uh, I look at what the Lord's doing around here, and I think that we're about building some walls here. The difference is we're building the kind of walls that you get to walk out of instead of just coming into. You know, because at the end of the day, one of the things that we are committed to at Sugar Hill Church is we don't want to create walls that constantly the goal is to get people in the door. Our, our job is how many of people like y'all could we go to go out there and serve in the name of Christ. To us, that's, that's the goal, right? So I'm grateful you're here, but I really want you to go out there and do something. Uh, I just find it amazing all the stuff that we're about. I mean, uh, we're about to get ready to open up a middle and high school over in a PATH project, which is just fascinating to me. And so I want to thank you. You guys are about the kind of work that Nehemiah did. So in Nehemiah 3, Nehemiah gives all the credit to all the people helping him. And he kind of makes the point that if you're attempting to do anything that matters, one of the things that you, you, you'll have to rest in is that you can never do it alone. I mean, you just can never do it alone. If, if there's something you're attempting for the cause of Christ, there are two things that are going to happen every time. On the first thing is you need help. You need people. God never created us to accomplish something extraordinarily great apart from the other people he brings around us. A pastor gets to preach, but a church is built on folks like you. A pastor isn't, is, is, you don't build a church on a pastor because I have either already or I will, or sometime in the future, I will be sure to, I'm going to offend you, let you down, I'm going to mess up this church. I know that because I have great capacity for those things, right? But here's the good news. The church is not built on me. There's only one authority in the church, and that's the Lord Jesus. And his plan and how he was going to be a part of the redemption of mankind was he was going to invite all of us to be in the work and we would have some version of our wall to build. Like uh, the baseball coach over at Lanier, Coach Wyman and his wife PJ, they opened up their home and they packed 147 Operation Christmas Child boxes. 
So when they heard, wait a minute, my heart is broken for something, they prayed about it and went after it. And I would just stop and say, that's awesome. I mean, truly, that is unbelievable. And I think about it, we, we're always going to have these two things. We need people, God will bring us people, and we're also going to get criticized for it. You, you're never going to attempt to accomplish something extraordinary without criticism. It's going to happen. I recall just a few years ago, I, I went for about three months and I got an email every day. And every day somebody just tore me to shreds and it was, it was an anonymous email. The, the person didn't really exist. And so I thought, well, it's got to start somewhere. So I thought, what am I going to do with this? Because this went on for months. So after the first two or three, I started replying to them. And it would be like, you are the worst thing. I mean, it was, we're talking nasty stuff. You know I mean? The kind of stuff that, that we, you know, you think, wait a minute, that, that, that might be in my brain, but I didn't do that. You know, I'm not that bad. And so I, what I wanted to reply was, in my flesh, you are an idiot. That's what I wanted to reply with, in love. <laughs> but my response was tempered somewhat. And so I replied to every single email for two and a half months this way. Bless your heart. I would love to have coffee with you and chat about this. I trust that the Lord will give you that wisdom and a backbone to do so. In love, your brother and pastor, Chuck. I never got a response, but every night I slept like a rock. Friend, listen, if you're attempting anything that matters, there's going to be critics. In chapter 3, Nehemiah makes a big deal here, and he says, I needed all these people, and God brought me all these people, and something great happens. Look in chapter 3, verse 28. Uh, Nehemiah says, The priests repaired the wall up the hill from the horse gate, each one doing the section immediately opposite his own house. Now, what's happening here is in the context of the story, all the people helping Nehemiah have gotten about halfway up with the original height. And we think of a wall like this being like this wide because it had rebar, rebar and concrete, and we, you know, it had brick ties and all that stuff, but we, they didn't have that. We're talking about uh, rock and mud, and, and it was about 12 feet at the bottom wide, and then as it came up to about halfway, it was probably at about 10 feet wide, and then, then it probably went up to about 25 feet. Okay, so they're, they're kind of at this place. And here's what happened is over here, what happens is we've, we've got a family that's building this section of wall. The problem is this family that's building this section, let's just say it's a short. They're building this section of the wall. And Big Sexy back there is working hard on it. And Stand up for me, Big Sexy. Let everybody see what I'm talking about. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's our version of Ric Flair. And so we've got, if you don't know who he is, you need to Google this, all right? It'll bless you, all right? So they're building their wall, but now over here, the Kissings are building their wall. Now, as you keep going and start building the wall over and over, it keeps on going, the Fig Pins are building their wall, and then we get over here, and Rhonda's building her wall. Here's the problem. They're building it right, but the fig pens don't like Rhonda. Now watch this. The kissings don't like the fig pens. It gets worse. It keeps going, right? The shorts don't like the kissings. So they're building their part of the wall, but they refuse to work together and bring the wall together. 
So Nehemiah has this awesome idea, and he introduces to the world the first time of mutual accountability. So he says, Dominic, when you're building this wall and you got to get used to working with Big Sexy, then you got to put this wall together. And you say, but there's no way I'm putting my wall together with somebody called Big Sexy, <laughs> ever. But now, if you don't bring it together, we're going to fix it because you and your family are going to live right behind your portion of the wall. And the shorts are going to live right behind their part, portion of the wall. And the fig pin's going to do the same. And Rhonda's going to do the same. Because if you leave that wall open, when the enemy comes in undetoured, you get to be the first person that's dead. And all of a sudden, people work together. And Nehemiah says, I've got all these people, and they're all very different. And they all do things differently well. But here's what we got to do. we got to figure this out and do it together. So he starts with the priests and he says you guys need to model this for the rest of these people and then the text goes on and in chapter 4 look at the first nine verses with me it says Sanballat I, this cat right here he was a, he was a pain Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers what is this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifices? Look at those charred stones they're pulling out of the rubbish and using again. Tobiah, an Ammonite who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. And then I prayed. Now watch this. Hear us, O our God, for we are being mocked. And then he's got a little twinge of bitterness here. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in the presence of the builders. At last the wall was completed to half its original height around the entire city, for the people had worked very hard. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall were being repaired, they became furious. They all made plans to come out and fight against Jerusalem and to bring about confusion there. But we prayed to our guard, God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Now, let me remind you, criticism is coming any time you attempt to do something for the cause of Christ. So if you're not receiving any criticism, there might be something wrong with the direction you're walking. If you're finding the journey to be difficult, if you're finding that there are plenty of people that want to mock you, then you might be walking in the right direction. And you said, but Chuck, that doesn't sound like the blessing you pray over us at the end of every service. You say he can bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. I agree with that last statement completely. However, it's never easy. This living the Christian life is not for the faint of heart. Andrew Murray once said, living the Christian life is impossible alone. And this is why it's wonderful that our God has a plan for you. Now, I want you to know this. I, I've been reading a lot about negative self-talk in our world. Uh, and, and here's what I found. Did you know, ladies, that 4%, only 4% of 
of American women believe they're beautiful. 4% of American women believe they're beautiful. And you know why, why people say that's true? Because of negative talk. You look in the mirror and you just think, by the way, guys, you, you're right there with them. And you know why? There's a voice that screams in our head that says, you're not good enough. You can't build a wall. I made you and there's a flaw in you and there's nothing you can do. All you need to do here on this earth is wait for heaven. And if you listen to that voice, you are listening to fear that is birthed and delivered in the face and the noise of the evil one. When I read Psalm 23, I talked about how the shepherd would come. And you realize the shepherd in the story is Jesus and we are the sheep, right? And the shepherd would take oil and anoint the head of a sheep. Now, sheep are nasty. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are surrounded by flies. You know why? They're nasty. When Jenny picked me up after six days on the Appalachian Trail, it was a little chilly outside. It was about 40 degrees outside. She had all four windows down in her car, and she had the air conditioner cranked wide open. And I said, baby, it's a little cold. And she said, but you smell so bad. <laughs> Imagine what I would be if I were a sheep. Because flies would fly around that sheep incessantly, and they, they would land on their head, and they would, they would lay eggs in their nose and their ears, and, and eventually what would happen is a sheep would be driven so crazy by the noise and by the incessant noise that would be screaming in their ears that wasn't really out and around them, it was just in their head. A sheep would literally walk up to a rock and bang their head against a rock to end this sound so hard that eventually a sheep would kill itself unless a shepherd came and took oil and would pour it on his head and lather it into that wool and around the ears and in the ears and around the mouth and the lips and on the nose and under the eyes and in the nose and those flies would leave that sheep alone for a season. And if you remember that you're the sheep and he is the shepherd, when the voice of criticism comes, when the voice inside of you that says, I don't look like I should, I don't, I, I, I'm not as powerful as I want to be, God can't use me, God doesn't want me, I am not worthy, listen to me, friend, you, according to a God who cannot lie, are more than worthy of his affection and his love because he made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. None. Just look around at the people. Go ahead. Just, just be weird about it. Look around at the people around you. Go ahead. Look. Look. Look behind you. Go ahead. Just swivel all. Just look, look behind you. There's some weird people in here, man. I mean, some of y'all are just weird. I mean, some of y'all act weird. Some of y'all dress weird. Some of y'all say weird stuff to me. I say weird stuff every week. Aren't you glad you're weird? Seriously. Do you really just want to be somebody else? I just love this. Just go ahead. You know why? Because listen, God said that you were perfectly born and created for something that he had in store for you. Why in the world would you ever want to miss that? And Nehemiah's saying, but I'm just a cupbearer, Lord. But no, I got these people. They're going to help you. Just go on over here. I promise you, it'll be a good thing. Now, I want you to listen to this. I wrote it this week, and I thought to myself, this is, this is a good word for, for me and for you. Listen to this. It is plenty possible to stay at the task 
of answering and acting on the calling of God. Criticism might knock us down, but it doesn't have to knock us out. Listen, I walk away here from sometimes when somebody said, reminds me, you know, Chuck, you're fat, or, you know, Chuck, I wish you'd preach longer, or Chuck, I wish you'd been nicer, or Chuck, I wish you hadn't combed your hair that way. And, you know, some of those things, they bug you, don't they? But they don't have to knock you down. I know folks who've come to church, and the first time somebody had this critique of something, or somebody didn't agree with something, said, we're out of here. I, I am living proof if you speak publicly, surely, sooner or later, you're going to say something stupid. And you know what else I've learned? That if you're trying to do something, you're going to make mistakes. The Lord did not make this easy. The stuff in the time in which he does the greatest work in my life is after he's allowed me to splat on a rock. And it's at that point, it's like, wow, Lord, this is what I've learned. I wasn't walking with you. Will you put me back together and I need to go back to build my wall? Look in verse 10. In verse 10, it says, in the people of Judah began to complain that the workers were becoming tired. There was so much rubble to be moved that we could never get it done by ourselves. So all the people that are working on this good thing that Nehemiah has been called to, and they've been called to assist, they're halfway done, and they're exhausted. And you know what I've learned? When people get tired, people get negative. And when people get negative, their voice and their sound gets even more negative. We should have never started this. That isn't what we're supposed to do. You know that every week there's somebody, somewhere, that the evil one wants to use to say to you, don't go out there and help those kids. Don't go over to Lanier and help those kids. Don't go over there to Path Project. Don't give that money to help Kim over here at the Gwinnett Shelter. Don't go down to Sycamore and help them because we got to gather it all up and take care of us. And all the while, when you do, you decide to choose, instead of walking with God, you choose to walk away from God. And when you choose to walk away from that calling, the first thing you're going to feel is this, oh, man, am I glad I don't have to be a half-hour hero with that kid anymore. I get to spend it on me. I, I get to go down to Starbucks, pay $7 for a cup of coffee, and I look cool. I worked so hard to get my jeans rolled up to the right height. I got my hair and my iron press thing all situated, and I've ordered me a latte. <laughs> and you know you're feeling good because there's no criticism for that outside of the latte part. And then it's like the Lord says, but you know that kid was counting on you. You know I put that kid in your place. But you know, Lord, I just need to walk away. I needed a break. I, I couldn't serve in that fourth grade class anymore. I was going crazy. Well, take a weekend off and let your head get anointed and get back in there. Well, Chuck, I, I tried that giving thing, but you know what? I, it doesn't work for me. I, no, let your head get anointed with some fresh oil today and get back in the game. The Lord never said that you didn't need a half time to take a break, but he never intended half time to be a life. And if you're coming to church one hour at 11 o'clock on Sunday, it's like flipping God a quarter for a tip and said, thanks for the week, but I got other stuff to do. And he says, but I, but I made you, I created you, I, I saved you, I brought you with me. Listen to me, friend. The chatter of negativity can drive us to the brink and our spirits can lose sight of the good work 
that he's called us to. But folks, let's not grow weary in striving to do good. If we need 300 backpacks, let's pack them. If we need to serve 150 kids in a trailer park, let's serve them. If those kids over, over there and those families that go to the Gwinnett, uh, over to the Gwinnett Co-op need help, let's help them. If we need folks to serve in children's ministry, let's do it. If we need to gripe that we had too many kids that love coming to church on Wednesday night, get after it. Or get up here and help us get college off the parking lot. And you say, but Chuck, listen, you don't understand. It's me. It's little old me. Listen, that's the flies that are flying around you saying to you, it's just little old you. Nehemiah was a nobody from nowhere. And God said, we're going to build this wall. I wonder what wall you're supposed to build. Look what happens in, uh, in verse uh, 12. Let's start in verse 11. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And in verse 12, the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed area. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Come on, that is good. And then look what happens in verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders and the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your friends, for your families, and for your homes. I mean, this is amazing. Look at verse 15 through 18. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all return to our work on the wall. Let me say this one more time. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears and shields, bows and coats of mail. The officers stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The common laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. And then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely spread from each other along the wall. But when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding and then our God will fight for us. And you say, now, wait a minute, Chuck, I, I didn't sign up for a fight. Listen, friend, if you've ever said yes to Jesus, you're already in it. Those flies can fly around you, and that negative self-talk can speak into your heart, and you can look in the mirror all you want, and we get into that whiny-hiny mode, and we start thinking to ourselves, we're not good enough, we're not capable enough. You know, we're just a little church here in Sugar Hill, Georgia. You know, church, we can't do all of this. But listen, we've been called to build a wall. We're built to call. We are equipped to build a wall. Nehemiah, who knew nothing about building walls, got equipped to build a wall. And he picked up the stone and started building a wall. And God brought people around him and equipped those people to build a wall. And when the army from the outside started firing, and when the people from the inside's criticism started firing, they didn't just quit when they got halfway. 
Because anybody can quit when you get halfway, when you get tired, when you get weary, when it's like, I can't go anymore. I don't know what to do. God, I know I to- you told me to do this, but I can't go anymore. And in the middle of that, all of a sudden what happens is God says, but you're perfect. I've got a plan for you. God says, I'll, I'll break your heart for something. You can choose how to respond, but should you choose to answer, you're going to face opposition. Buckle up. And the same God that called Nehemiah, who called the folks laying the brick and the rock, rebuilding the gate, are weary. And they saw that they'd forgotten the big picture and the big vision, and they had to be reminded when the Lord could say, I am the Lord your God. I am for you. I will make a way for you. I have a perfect plan for you. I am the God that made you, saved you, equipped you, created a home for you in heaven. I am the big picture. I am the picture of what to do. If this was easy, anybody would try. So at the end of the day, you know what we know? That he is so close to us, he would comfort us back to the 23rd Psalm, that he would protect us and care for us, and he would anoint our head with oil. And when you choose and when you're exhausted, that same shepherd says, come lay down with me in green pastures. You don't have to worry if there's going to be another one. Come drink of this fresh, still water. You'll never thirst again. And he says, I've got you. My friend, listen. When he's got us, who could be against us? When he's got us, how could we fail? When the creator of all the universe said, I made no mistake when I made the wonderful you. Those of you that got offended a few minutes ago when I pulled my phone out, I was taking a picture of Miss Betty. She sits on this front row and starts singing Jesus songs and gets all excited. And she and her walker get after it. You know what I'm thinking to myself? What the world could use with a church full of Miss Bettys. I promise you, folks, he's for you. Let him do this great work in you so that you don't have to grow weary doing good work. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for these folks. I'm grateful for this church and the community you allow us to serve in. God, don't let us grow weary in doing good. We love you and we praise you for this offering we're about to take up. God, thank you for folks that have already given online or on the app or some other way. Thank you. God, let us be faithful not just in our worship, but in our prayer, not just in our singing, but our learning, and not just in our learning, but in our giving. Lord, we love you. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, come on and let's take up an offering. If you would, go ahead and start passing those baskets out. I trust that uh, you've had a great day here in the house of the Lord. It's been so, so much fun to have you. If you're new around here, I would love to meet you at the end of the service through the doors that say exit sign. Two minutes, just stop by. Let me put a face with a name. I'd love to see you. And thank you so much for being a part of Sugar Hill Church today. I, uh, I want to remind you, hey, guys, tonight is Man Church, 5 o'clock. Totally different uh, venue, totally different field. Meet us in the backyard inside the uh, underground tonight. Have a little dude food. We're going to do some, uh, some different kind of study tonight. Guys, come on. You get there at 5, I guarantee you walk out the door by 6.30 latest. All right? And uh, you'll get home to see the evening ball game. I think it'll be great. Hey, I, I want to I brag on you. Many of you have already started through the app giving to Hurricane uh, Relief. 
Our partner in that is a group called uh, Convoy of Hope. And I had no idea they were here at 9.30. They had one of their executives here. And uh, I met him out in the hallway. And he said, man, that was awesome. I, I was thinking about hearing about y'all and see if you consider giving. And you've already done it. And if you open up the app, you'll see a button there for Hurricane Relief. And it's so easy to give through the app. 100% of those dollars will go directly to Hurricane Relief through our partner, Convoy of Hope. And their promise is 100% will go directly to the folks that are affected by that. I want to thank you for giving so faithfully. And, uh, you know, in August, I asked you, would you do 10 bucks extra a week? And you did it, man. We caught up, and that was great. And then all of a sudden, you quit again. Uh, so I'm going to make this appeal. Ushers, hang on to at least two of those baskets. Make it three. So both those doors and that door. Like, if you escape that way, I know you're not planning to give anything. <laughs> so I'm just going to focus that way. And if you're thinking, are you trying to guilt me? If that's what it takes, maybe. But y'all, we got to give it up a little bit. So if there, if you got that hundred hidden behind your license that your spouse doesn't know about it, this would be a great time to drop it in those three baskets. If you're going to hang on to it, or you've never even had a hundred dollar bill, you can go that way. All right. I love y'all. I'm so grateful. I love our church. I had a okay. I know you got to let you go. I had a pastor I met yesterday in Nashville. And um, he's, uh, he's in our county. And he said, man, I'd love to come have lunch with you. And I said, man, I'm great. I'd be happy to meet with you. He said, I just want to come see. I hear so many cool things about your church. I'd just love to see how my folks might could do some stuff like your folks do. And I said, well, I promise you, we got better folks. And he said, well, let's meet at Wendy's. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is on your dime, buddy. We're going to Longhorn. <laughs> yeah. And when we meet, we're going to Crystal. But uh, yeah, hey. Let this Lord that took Nehemiah and turned him into a wall builder go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. He has done that in my life. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned to my daughter and the challenge that she's going through in her marriage. I have seen God do the coolest stuff I've ever seen. I have literally seen God do stuff that even though I prayed for it, I wasn't sure he could do. And he did. This is cool. Let him go before you. Let him go within you. They bring you peace and joy, fulfillment, contentment, and a backbone. Because he is always good and you are always loved. And let him come behind you when the scoffers and the mockers are throwing criticism your way. Casting a little shade over there on you. Let him kind of bend over so you can hop on his back and wrap your arms around him so he can carry you through it right in the middle of all those folks that are saying you ain't good enough let your savior kind of look back at you and wink and say I told you so and then let him set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and smush your face up <laughs> and say my child I love you Amen. man I love that God bless you go in peace